One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're about to listen to Bananas for Bonanza, episode 15. This is Andy Daly. Hello. Here on this free feed, I'll be re-releasing all of the back episodes of Bananas for Bonanza, one every other week. If you want to hear new episodes ad-free, please subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Daly. The entire Bananas for Bonanza archive is also waiting for you there, and you can access lots and lots of bonus content. So do that. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy. <laughs> Bonanza, it's the finest show alive So consult your TV guide, get your great outdoors inside Take some Ponderosa pride and forever make it right I'm Bananas for Bonanza Everybody's ready then, all right Hey, uh, Brian, I think I'm going to change it up uh, this week. I'm going to start with a yeehaw. Good old-fashioned yeehaw this time. Here we go. Ready? Yeehaw! Yeah! Hey, <laughs> Mutt Taylor, you done uh, shot a bullet with somebody's name on it. If, uh, That's what I do. Holds. Every episode, and this episode's bullet, goes out to Phil Stewart in Lansing, England. Now, what I'm trying to do is shoot it in the trajectory that it could actually land at the feet of the person so they could have it as a nice souvenir. Well, okay. Now, you know how a plane will travel. It'll take a sort of an arcing path up. It'll go further north than it needs to go to get to where it's going, right? right. I don't know why they do that. Something to do with the, the roundness of the planet, I reckon. But So, are, is, it, are, is that your plane with your bullet, too? Is it taking a sort of a... I have to do that. I have to account for all the Earth's rotation and all that. And I do a lot of physics before we record. I sit down for what seems like a couple of hours and yeah. i get on the phone with michio kaku and he helps me get through it same with neil degrasse tyson michio kaku him i don't know uh, he's, he's a scientist and physicist you know it's just this crowd i run in 
All right. Well, Phil Stewart, you uh, a lot of work has gone into that bullet that hopefully has landed safely at your feet over there in Say Lansing, England? Lansing, England. He's originally from Glasgow City in Scotland, and I believe he's a falconer. Okay, sure. Well, <laughs> what else are you going to do over there in Glasgow? I never heard of Lansing, England. All right, folks, welcome to Bananas for Bonanza. Hey, wait a minute. Let me say the thing I always say at the beginning of every one of these episodes. Hello, friend. Come on in. The gate is open wide. Yep. Oh, this is Bananas for Bananza, and it, this show has nothing to do with goddamn bananas. The food it doesn't have anything to do with that. Our guest booker keeps telling me about these uh, banana farmers and produce managers who want to be on this show to discuss bananas, and it doesn't, God damn it, doesn't have anything to do with that. You fools obviously never listen to the show. This is about America's TV show, Bananza. Uh, sorry, I get emotional when I think about Bananza. Today... We're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 15. It's called The Last Hunt, and that's a silly name for this episode, really. Uh, but that's okay, because, man, this episode is just as funny as can be. We've got two of our heroes, Hoss and Joe, find themselves having to deal with woman business, and lots of it. And, folks, we've got just the perfect guest to discuss woman business today, and uh, couldn't be more excited to introduce her to her. But before we do that, let's talk to our regular co-host. I'm Dalton Wilcox, course poet laureate of the West, and uh, you just heard from Mutt Taylor. Hello, Mutt. Hey, how you doing? It's good to be here again. Yep, Mutt Taylor is a guitarist for the Journeyman Country Western Music Outfit. And then we've got Amy Slaverson, Christian entrepreneur. Hello, Amy. Hi, Dalton. I'm I'm coming to you live from our closet beneath a, a quilt because my husband he he just doesn't like me podcasting as much. So um, I'm just trying not to bother him while he's he he's watching shows and stuff. Oh no! You, well, you've been podcasting with us for a while now, but is it your husband just recently decided he's not wild about it anymore? Well, it's just, I guess it's you know just the sound of my voice. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Yeah, you guys have sort of an arrangement where uh, you don't normally talk unless he pretty much says he wants you to. Is that is that about right? Yeah, and we really support each other in that. Wait, so if he don't like the sound of your voice, does that mean he doesn't listen? And if he doesn't listen, how's he getting any kind of content about Bonanza? Well, I don't, well, the, how he doesn't. Well, I he, think what Mud is asking is, your husband, does he listen to this podcast when it comes out to be publicly available? Is that what you're asking, Mud? No. Oh, no. He says, you know, that's kind of my, it's your, your stuff. That's oh. your thing. And then. And then I take every interest in what he does. That's how I we see. work it out. That's a that, that's a good little give and take. You guys have figured something out. He takes no interest in your things, and you take total interest in everything that he's into. Yeah, I, I like watch that. everything he put suggests on YouTube, which is mostly uh, baseball games being replayed from the nineteen fifties to seventies. Wow, that's fascinating. So he does all the taking, you do all the giving, but ultimately it's the same amount of giving and taking as a normal couple does, just usually they split it up. It's okay. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, it's, um, it works. 
That's a and good way to think is about it. So much work, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you. For at least one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I live in an underground uh mine that I've been digging in a national park. And uh I live here with my new bride. She's uh I met her as a, a Russian sex person for money. Uh but she seems to have a past life in the Russian military. And anyway, I'm trying to get her interested in uh, Bonanza and it's it hasn't been easy. But but yeah, maybe that's something I just need to accept. Maybe she's she's not gonna like my things because I don't like her foods and crazy music she listens to, all that stuff. I don't want any Does of she have breasts? Oh, she yeah, she does have. Oh, she does have breasts. Yep, she does. She does. Sometimes that can be nice. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. All right, folks. Uh, listen, we've been uh, touching on some stuff about relationships here, and that's just the perfect transition to meet our fantastic guest, ladies and gentlemen. She is the best smelling author and creator of the critically ashamed audio series, The Complete Woman, as well as other books and audio series. Let's say hello to Maribel May. Hey. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am just delighted to be here. <laughs> well, wow. we are so delighted to have you. Hello, Maribel. I just want to say, also you so the complete why don't you go ahead and tell us what is the complete woman because you've also got you've got the complete joy and the complete wedding and the complete christmas which is all books with accompanying autos audio series or something is that what it is that's absolutely right and thank you so much dalton well i will say that the complete woman is an audio series where i maribel may empower women to make their husbands happy so you can listen to the complete woman and the latest season the complete christmas wherever you get your podcasts Wow, this is fantastic. We we really are all on the same page here in terms of how that works. <laughs> That's hey. crazy, Maribel. That's what I do, too. I have a company called Lots Daughters, and um, which is it's a Christian-based multi-level marketing company. I'd love to be, you, for you to be in my downline. Oh, well, maybe there's a collaboration in our future. And I just have to say, I am personally podcasting from my walk-in pantry, which I have converted into a lady lair. Wow. Well, how big so is your lucky. walk-in pantry? And what you what you got? Because I feel like now that you say that, I can hear your voice pinging off of tin cans. Yeah, thank you. It's about uh, a five by five that I'm able to cram in a chaise. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me. I've been snacking on the dry goods. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I bet your husband works, doesn't he? Oh, Freck, yes. He's a, a paperwork attorney at Munchkins and Sons. Oh. <sighs> Say, what do they do over there? Munchkins and Sons. Yeah. Seems paperwork. like pretty specific. Oh, okay. Oh, paperwork. And he's a paperwork assistant, did you say? Attorney. Oh, a paperwork he attorney. smart. Yeah, that's real smart. Yeah. Because I tell you, you don't want to uh, have any illegal paperwork. Man, oh, man. Got to have a lawyer make sure it's all up and up on the law. Well, uh, that sounds good. Now, let me ask you, Mayor Bell, you ever, you ever did watch any of Bonanza before today? You know, I have to say, I have not. And, oh boy, was I delighted. Yeah, right? You like this show? What are your What are your shows? What What typically would you say is your all-time favorites? You got any all-time, of all-time favorite well, shows? As a busy a working mother of two and devoted wife, I find it hard to take time away for me sometimes. Uh, so I don't get a lot of free time to sit in front of the yep. boob tube and nosh on bonbons. Oh. Right. 
Hear, hear. I hear you. I feel like, Amy, you've expressed some things like that as well. You're so busy getting your husband's dinner ready and whatnot. Especially around the holidays. I'm I'm up to my neck in corn cob dolls. Oh. Hey, wait a minute. Wait, well, wait I, I, I am too, but for a different reason. I, see, we just got so much in common here. What's a corn cob doll? Is it what it sounds it's like? It's when you, make... you take a corn cob yep. and you put a face on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> now, However, wait a yeah, this checks out. Some of my best friends are corn cob dolls. This is a corn cob now. The corn's been eaten off of it, I reckon. So it's Yeah, just, just like cob. you would the skin of a normal doll. Oh yeah, okay. Uh-huh. And then you put a face on the, on the corn cob. How do you how are you getting that face on there? Is it are you gluing on buttons or are you? Well, you can. It's it's really easy if you just use a sharpie. Uh-huh. And you can make dresses of the silks. You can take this oh, corn, the corn silk, silk and make a dress. Oh my! Well, that's beautiful. That sounds lovely. Are they are they meant to be little uh, Native Indigenous Americans peoples? Oh no, no, it's 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 for my kids. It's uh, just something fun for them to play with, you know. Yeah. Oh, you know, for the because we're a little short on cast. I I just I just tripled my inventory of of Book of Revelations pillows, and I haven't been able to kind of move them. And um, so okay. it's going to be a little bit of a tight Christmas. <laughs> oh, it sounds like she's cracking. If I may. <laughs> cracking, like cracking up? Yeah, well, that's just always the case because she's a, a hard-working work, woman and a hashtag girl boss. Isn't that right, Amy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amy Sleverson, is the Christmas season uh, very busy for your business? Do you have – are there particular uh, products you're rolling out or, or is it all about just tripling the inventory yes, on the existing well, products? This entire episode is really a testament to the Lots Daughters No Lines School of Acting. It's acting for women where you don't most – it's a lot of listening and – and reacting off the lines of men. And you got to keep your face interested, but not so much so that it seems like, you know, you're taking over the scene. Right. That is exactly right. That's a very good observation about this episode, which features an indigenous American savage or native person who's got, never says a damn thing just about. And she's a woman. Yeah, it seems like most of the ladies on this show could have come from that school of acting where they just stand by. There's a lot of standing well, by. Well, that's the thing. We're being paid less, so we get to do less. <laughs> here, here. It all it's works so great. out. It's so well, wonderful. Yeah, this episode is called The Last Hunt. I You know how I like to do, uh, I think maybe I'll do the fun facts about the cast and whatnot, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll go scene by scene. How's that sound as a plan? Yeah, hoorah. Ought to work just fine. Because now I'm, I'm really into this. I love to just say, 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 like, who was the guest stars and what else have they done? And so this episode has a, a character by the name of We Don't Know, 
at no time uh, do we ever learn her name. She's just a Shoshone girl. And that, she was played by a, a, a woman named Shauna Eden, who was an Israeli actress. And I don't know all kinds of, I don't know what an Israeli is, but I reckon it's ba- basically the same thing as a Native American. I could tell you, it's a Jewish person, typically, and it's really keeping to the theory that all the Native Americans are played by Jewish people in this show. Oh, is that how it's been? It I seems. seems. Yeah. yeah. Although so, this is the first one with brown eyes I've seen, so... I think they had to do that for this episode specifically to differentiate from the baby's blue eyes. Well, we'll get into that, but I don't, yeah. re- I don't really believe that baby had blue eyes. I don't think so. Once we get a look at them. But anyways, uh, she, she was in a movie and then uh, a movie about an ornithologist going up against a family of bird poachers with uh, Peter Falk and Gypsy Rose Lee and Burl Ives as a character named Cottonmouth. And then... <laughs> Yep, it's called Wind Across the Everglades. And then she did <laughs> this thing that happens a lot with the, the beautiful actresses of Bonanza when you look up their careers. She she worked a lot for about 10 years and then vanished. Uh, so that happened to her. Then we got a character by the name of Sumner Kyle, and Richard Bailey drops in to do that. Richard Bailey was, uh, he was he played uh, Milburn Drysdale on the Beverly Hillbillies for all them years. He was their banker and next-door neighbor on the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, shit. Over there with Buddy Epson, who was uh, in one of our other episodes. I love to look up the great credits. Okay, here we go. Uh, Raymond Bailey was in a movie called The Space Children. Here's the, here's the synopsis of that. A glowing brain-like creature brain-like creature, arrives on a beach near a rocket test site via a teleportation beam. The alien communicates telepathically with the children of scientists, and the kids start doing the alien's bidding as the adults try to find out what's happening to their unruly offspring. So in other words, these aliens trying to stop these rocket scientists from succeeding in launching a rocket make their children insufferable. Wow. Now, darling, in all your monster hunting, you ever come across a brain-like creature? I... That, no, I never have. And so I'm, I'm interested to see this movie to figure out what are the telltale signs of a brain-like creature. Well, well you should to... meet my meatloaf. <laughs> Is your meatloaf brain-like? According to my husband. Oh, she so said, damn it, this tastes like brains. Uh, Maribel, you ever feel like your children have been taken over by a brain, brain-like creature? Yeah, or... I wanted to ask that of a parent. What could you imagine a child doing that would prevent... A rocket scientist from loading a rocket off. Well, honestly, it could only be an improvement from my <laughs> lot. They're nightmares. <laughs> yeah, kids are horrible. Yeah, you got a couple of real, real uh, lunatics running around there, have you? Judy and Buzz. Oh, Judy and Buzz. I like but, those. Are good Buzz is an outdoor child. A uh, full time. Basically. Wow, that's you the mean, life. Like. Like the way you have an outdoor cat, you just kind of open the door. We leave food out. We let him in for Christmas. Oh, that's nice. Oh, good. Well, that's good for a boy. Get out. Uh, He was also in a movie called Tarantula, in which a spider escapes from an Arizona desert laboratory experimenting in giantism. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Don't go experimenting in giantism. What else was in that lab? So he's just the only one that escaped. But what if you took an elephant who's already a giant and experimented in giantism? You might end up making him tiny. I don't know for sure. Oh, I'd love to have a tiny elephant, wouldn't I? Teeny tiny elephant that could fit in your pocket? Oh, God. That'd be a whole different movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tiny elephant, exclamation point. 1955. Yeah, I'd like to see that. But, uh, no, I guess they was trying to, uh, it was a well-meaning scientist trying to turn, like, uh, uh, one corn cob into 50. <laughs> it was like a food supply thing. Oh, I see. Trying anyway, to make a bunch of corn cob dolls. Yeah, exactly. Then, uh, uh, finally, I think, we got a fellow by the name of Steve Terrell. He played little Jason Kyle there at the end. And this actor, he was like, this is my big break. This actor really went for it. Uh, and he he was in a movie called Invasion of the Saucer Man. And the plot of this one is a teenage couple driving with their headlights off to a makeout session on Lover's Lane accidentally runs over an alien creature with their car. The creature's hand falls off, then comes alive. It grows an eye and begins to stalk the teens. The teens eventually discover that bright light can destroy these aliens, and all the kids on Lover's Lane shine their headlights on the aliens and save the world. Wow. Sounds so familiar. It does? <laughs> you mean like you've seen that movie or that happened to you? Like, like did that just happen? Wow. Did you like did you read about it in the news? Yeah, look, it was something I read or <laughs> I yeah. watch so much news. I I don't know, maybe it was a dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does there's something dreamlike about it. Uh but yeah, this fellow Steve Terrell, he did a lot of, a lot of usual television credits uh, such as Perry Mason and Dragnet and Navy Log and Wire Service <laughs> and Schlitz Playhouse of Stars. Usual I've, things. I've actually heard of that one before. That's come it's up before. Uh, Schlitz Playhouse of Stars? It has. Yeah, wow. Big star. Hey, wait a minute, Mutt Taylor. And yeah. Mutt Taylor alone. He was also on a show called Climax, exclamation point. Oh, yeah. Climax, CBS uh, Action Theater. Yeah. Yep. This That's... was an anthology series. And it was, uh, it, it, this is where Casino Royale of James Bond fame premiered. On it's the first Climax. ever on screen James Bond played by an American named Barry Nelson. You might remember as the boss of the hotel from The Shining. And he's, uh, they call him Jimmy Bond in that. Hot now this damn. is Mutt Taylor talking. It's not anyone else, too. Because right. I'm a yeah. Well, well, anyways, uh, old Steve Terrell was on an episode of Climax, and he went on to found the Lambs Theater. And here's a description of the Lambs Theater: it says young performers, many of them part of the Jesus movement of the early seventies, oh, no, <laughs> were drawn to this exciting exploration of faith and art. The company built a reputation for high-quality, fast-paced humor, physical dexterity, with a spiritual mission touring nationwide to college campuses, prisons, and renaissance fairs. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. That's what it says on their own website. That sure sounds on the up and up to me. Nothing sinister going on there. Amy, uh, were you involved in any sort of a formal well, Jesus I movement? I kept auditioning. And, oh, no. Um, I tried to get in. You, they said, well, we could actually, you could be behind the scenes. Uh-huh. As like, or, or maybe do like play a dead body or the back end of a horse or, um, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I just decided it wasn't, um, I'm better at sales. <laughs> yeah boy that's tough you you have an audition for a theater company and they say hey you could play either a dead body or the back end of a horse and that's it that basically is all 
That's all they thought you was fit for? Well, I just didn't have a lot of experience. Uh-huh. Okay. I, and and you I asked, I said, oh, but I, I have faith that I can I can do it. I can have a speaking role. And then that's where I really started my no line school of acting for women. There you go. You know, so that you can be a part of the magic, even if that means you're mostly just doing accounting at Disney. Exactly. So that there, the rejection of the Lambs Theater planted the seed in your mind of this no-line school of acting. And 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 this episode of Bonanza is like the perfect example of it that ever was. Yep. Hey, uh Maribel, you ever do any you ever do any performing of any kind? Well, no, but uh-huh. I have been told that I have it. Oh, it. Wow, There's yeah. It. Yeah. You've yes, my, you my doctor. My doctor actually diagnosed me with it. Well, hang on now. You Wait. do have a something about you. I'll say it. Well, that's what they say. But, you know, I like to stay modest. Well, I'm just a little concerned. I wonder if you want to talk to another doctor who's got more details for you. because that's, Yeah, because it could a, be that you have like what cousin it has. Oh, no, you don't want that. It's just all hair. Maribel, not with, not with this. Maribel, you're you're everything that I aspire to be. Uh, now, Amy, I do think you would really benefit from taking one of my audio courses. I know I would. How much does it cost? Well, we can arrange a deal. I'll put you on some sort of layaway plan. I don't have any credit. Mm, well, how about we do a trade for some of those corn dolls? Oh, trade! Oh, I love it. Yes, I can trade. I... I I bet I could, if I made you a, like a hundred corn dolls, would that be worth one download of your MP3s? That sounds fair to me. Oh, man, you was already up to your eyebrows and corn dolls. Yeah, how long does it take to make a hundred corn dolls? Well, I guess I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> no but way I to know until you try. Weeks. It's about six, six weeks. weeks. <laughs> okay. About six weeks and then allow four to six weeks for delivery, I reckon. Oh, are you taking them by foot? They'll be delivered to my doorstep, I hope, in time for Christmas. Well, it depends on where do you live, Maribel May? I live in Whittier, California. Oh, Whittier. I, I live in a, I, I live far, far from there. <laughs> Um, you know what? I will, I, you know, I have to talk to my husband. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I have have created a debt I cannot repay. Uh, I think everything's going to work out just fine. Really? (laughs) I think it's going to be fine. Maribel, you're going to get your corn cob dolls, I believe. And uh, maybe Sleeverson's going to listen to that uh, audio series. I think everything's going to work out just fine for you ladies. I like have. I says, I got a whole collection of corn dolls myself. No comment. But I'd be happy to pitch in some of those, Amy, if you're coming up short of your quota. Thank you so much. And I would give to you, which I already have on the docket, as long as you provide shipping, a home husband birth kit. Um, I, It's a home husband birth kit. Seventy nine dollars, 
It comes with Indian food, actual Indian food oh, in a wow. can, and oh. then a popcorn bowl size of water, and then labor tugging sticks in oak mesquite and mahogany, dry rot baby powder, and DW40, a half-inch Phillips, and barbecue tongs with a bottle of Amstel light for dis- disinfecting. Wow, that Phillips screwdriver, especially, probably coming real handy for birthing a baby. That is really. I tell you what, I haven't ever had a baby, but my husband, he, he, we've just done, you know, some home, you know, things at home just to just see how it would work. Yeah, and um, Mm. you know, when he, you've had some baby drills. Got up and in there, and you know, he could have gotten something out. I know he could (laughs) have. Wow, this makes me want to go have a baby. Like, go get a lady knocked up and have a baby. Now, I've never had a maternal instinct or paternal instinct before, but now having the tools, knowing that I have the wherewithal, I'm going to do it. Men should do everything. Men should get in to every part of 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 women's lives, you know, that they do the best job. Like, I don't know my own body. You, you know, take a wrench and just... You know, take a, take a, take, see what you can do. Cause I don't know what's going on down there and I don't want to look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, you're not kidding. We learned oh. from this episode is that, is that the women have like an animal instinct to know what to do, but it only goes so far. And after that, the men need to take over. That's mm-hmm. right. Now, Haas in this episode's basically just a licensed OBGYN. He knows it, everything there is to know. Just about, but specifically for Shoshones. But all right, well, we're getting too far into it. Well, we're going to take a little break, and then we are going to uh, dig right into this episode, which is Season 1, Episode 15 of Bonanza, The Last Hunt. And, man, you're going to love it. Don't go nowhere. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, 
right, we're back. We are here with Mutt Taylor and Amy Sleverson and Maribel May is our guest to discuss episode 15 of the first season of Bonanza. It's called The Last Hunt. Man, oh man, this is a fantastic episode. Uh, there is nowhere near as much bare-fisted brawling as I prefer to see in one of these episodes, but we do got some gunfire and plenty of uh, uh, Native Indigenous Indian American peoples. Oh, and Hop Singh holding a baby. Man, oh man. Hop Singh is funny in this episode. Okay, here we go. You guys ready to go scene by scene? Hell yeah. You yes. jump in Anything you want to say, but I'll start by telling you it's wintertime now. Here it is. It's wintertime on the Ponderosa or wherever we are. I'm not sure. Haas and Joe uh, is uh, two of our heroes. They're tracking a big horn sheep. But they're tracking a ram. And it seems like this is a multi-day ram hunting journey that these two men is on. And in the first scene, we get some comical music. Now, ever since Meryl Marco talked about music, I'm paying attention to it. Now, and now it helps me to know that something funny is going to happen when you start hearing that comical music. And sure enough, Joe tries to shoot this ram, but Haas knocks him over. And we're laughing and laughing. And then we see an engine person with a knife. And that's, that's, that's how this episode grabs you. You are grabbed hold of tight. Right at that point, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's a hell of a hook. And man, that kind of vitriol between the Joe and Haas when he thought he bumped him, that was like, I thought he was going to kill him. Yeah, Joe took that real serious. Haas was laughing, but Joe Joe really was mad. That's just about the maddest we've ever seen, little Joe. Yeah. You can we- download that uh, men doing dumb thing music off of Spotify and just play it while your husband does things around the house. <laughs> oh man, that's a, that's that's a good idea. If, if yeah, if I know that something comical is about to happen in my house, I'd put on that music from Bonanza, and we'd all have a real good time. It's a good idea. Well, and then so after that knife appearance, we cut to the opening credits, and this I believe, unless I am mistaken. This, I believe, is the 15th episode to feature the burning map in the opening credits of Bonanza. I'm going to dub chuck that. But then we go to a scene here where uh, our fellas are sleeping. It's old uh, Joe and Hoss are sleeping out there, camping out. And this uh, engine comes up with a knife, and she tries to steal something from little Joe. And little Joe, without even ever opening his eyes, manages to overpower and disarm this knife-wielding engine. And at that point, something strange happens, which I didn't understand. I watched it again and again. Haas jumps up to come to Joe's aid, and... Oh, somebody's phone is ringing. (laughs) That's That's a pretty tune. It is a pretty tune. Well, maybe we'll wait. I believe Amy Sleeveson got a phone call there. We'll wait wait till she's got... It's all, all right. What happened here? Somebody call you, Amy? Somebody called me, and I said... I didn't say anything. I just hung up on him. <laughs> okay, all right. I don't know anybody, so if anybody calls me, I know it's a, it's a wrong number. <laughs> that simplifies your life, right, if you don't know anybody. Well, so as I was saying, suddenly all these bullets start firing out of the campfire. I guess what happened was that Haas, in his haste, uh, kicked a whole bunch of things into the fire, but I just didn't see it happen. Yeah, I, I wasn't clear. That's right, because things just kept exploding. Yeah, it just sounds like a wild shootout. There were a couple inexplicable things in this opening scene, too, because like, Haas knows right away 
I don't mean to spoil it, that she's pregnant, but yep. he never lift the blanket to check. And then later when we see the blanket lifted, she ain't really got a pregnant belly. Well, that is true. I think I have that scene to show us here. Okay, here, let's take a look. Well, so right before this, it is revealed that uh, what they're dealing with is a woman person. They've got a woman, uh, which is surprising enough. And then uh, we have this other extraordinary reveal, which I, I took special notice of because I thought uh, we was about to learn that she was dead, uh, which would have been not the fastest that a woman has died on this show, but uh, one of the fastest, one of the fastest woman deaths we've ever had. Actually, it might have been the fastest. Now I'm trying. You see, I'm struggling to share my screen. I never figure out how to do this easily. Here we go. Here's here's this big reveal moment. Let's watch. Okay, she's a woman. Old Joe says, come on over here. Look at this. Yep. And that's why you never leave the house without makeup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She has beautiful eye makeup on. She sure did. And skin makeup to make her look like a Native American. Yeah. Joe's going to make her coffee. You didn't get hit by one of them stray bullets, did she? Now. Oh, she she ain't been hit. Joe is blocking her. Yeah, well, this coffee will fix her up. Never mind. Never mind. What do you mean, never mind? What's wrong with her? She's dead. Little Joe, this squaw's going to have a baby. Oh. And so, no caffeine. No caffeine, ladies, while you have a baby I, I guess, in you. I guess that is what he's saying. <laughs> Don't give her coffee. She's pregnant. So, like I'm saying, I was for sure that when when uh, Haas said, uh, never mind, you know, forget about the coffee, he was going to say, she's dead. But instead, he said, she's pregnant. This squaw is going to have a baby. And as Butt says, we don't know what leads Haas to that conclusion. Because he, he just really is looking at her face, as far as I can tell. And I suppose that in 1959, there was no way. To uh, to make a, a person who wasn't pregnant look pregnant because they never did bother with it on this show, did they? No, Maribel, is there something, you're a mother, is there something happens to your eyes when you get pregnant that you could tell or something? Yeah, in fact, the whole face shifts uh, oh. a, a, an eighth of an inch to the left. Really? And so that is a telltale sign that a woman is with child. Oh, isn't that something? It, the face shifts on the skull. Yes, the, the, the entire face, the eyes, the nose, the mouth, it all shifts slightly to the left. Okay. Um, and then it actually continues throughout the pregnancy. It continues to shift completely until it's back where it started from. Like a clock. Th- that's exactly right. And this Maribel is why they... May, you have wow. two kids. What, what kind are they? <laughs> well, one is a girl. Uh, that's Judy. And one is a boy. And that's Buzz. Oh, we had always have the hope to have three girls and just call them all Carl. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be something? But it didn't happen because I'm barren. Oh, boy. Oh, no, that can't be true. <laughs> no, it is medically. Well, we'll see. I'll give you some bedroom tips that might spice things up. Oh, we've done a lot of things up there. <laughs> Well, have you tried fun costumes? Because what the first thing I thought when I saw that young Indian gal was, what a costume. Oh, boy, my husband Freck would love to see me in that. 
Well, I, I was so inspired by, you know, because they do, it seems like they do so much research on this show oh, to yeah. be specific to the indigenous First Nations yeah. of this country. And they always use the same in Native American costumes, no matter what the tribe is. Yeah, yeah. Sh Isn't that Shoshone people never wear anything like that. <laughs> But I understand that was an oversight. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think uh, where whatever your source is that tells you that's not what a Shoshone looks like, it, it just simply has to be wrong. I'd say Bonanza got it right every day. Well, I checked the internet, Dalton. Oh, 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 the internet. Well, sometimes the entire internet is wrong about everything. So, uh, well, who knows? But I trust, I trust Bonanza. Now. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. I just have a quick question. Yeah, yeah. If, if I just see a woman and we're talking with a sideways face, she's yeah. either a quarter pregnant or three quarters pregnant. So her. Yeah. Oh, I see. If it's to the left, it's a quarter. And if it's to the right, she's almost there. She's three quarters pregnant. Well, it depends what angle you're looking at her at. See that? OK. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, I've never heard that before, but it is basically the only explanation for how Haas could have known that this woman was pregnant. So I suppose it's true. Now, also, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, next next up, if I move on to the next thing, we had, I believe, one of the longest scenes in the history of television. This <laughs> is a scene. Haas and the Squall are uh are they are uh, it starts out with the two of them and then and then they talk about joe and hoss talk about how uh she must have been trying to go to virginia city for some reason they don't understand why we understand that her fever is down i don't she seems to be both sick and having a baby or sick from having a baby it's you know what i mean like the 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 confluence of the her being very sick and having a baby seems to be uh, unexplored a little bit there <laughs> but uh and, and now we get into the realization these guys I, I, she's going to give birth any minute now and hoss says she's going to be needing a woman to help with the birthing he puts together a meal of wild roots and mesquite beans and there's a lot of talk about that meal which <laughs> looks like coleslaw and uh the, <laughs> Then what happens there? There's a uh, yeah, that's long. They get real nervous around this woman who has such lovely eye makeup, and Hoss strokes her hair as she drinks, and then he sort of side coaches her through eating, and and explains to her this is this is good Indian food. Uh, after they've all talked for so long about how hideously terrible this food is, <laughs> how then, how does he know? How does he know it's Indian food? Yep. Did he order it? Yeah, maybe he had it delivered. No, he couldn't have. They're way up on a mountain. I don't know. I don't know. Couldn't have had it delivered. But, uh, yeah, he persuades her to eat for the baby. And uh, what else happens here? He says, any female carrying a young just naturally knows what's expected, he says. Uh, but now, and then the other thing is that Hoss is 100% sure if they try to take her down this mountain, she will die. And Joe says, well, how do you know? And he says, I know that much about females. <laughs> you can, well, it's true. You cannot take a woman down a mountain. They will die because look what happens in the end of this film. She comes down and dies. That is a good damn point. That is a fair point. She was perfectly alive the entire time she was up on top of that hill. Yep. 
Yep. I really don't get what the big hoot is about. Both of my children were snowbirds. Snowbirds? Wow. Really? You had them outdoors in the snow? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a very natural way. So how did Buzz become a, a wild child? He just scampered off into the wilderness from his birth and would mm-hmm. ran off in. on all fours. Wow. Man. Well, good for him. And then we have a weird scene there where Joe Joe is trying to gather up more mesquite beans, and he sees his sheep again that he'd like to shoot, and he says the words doggone uh, 17 times in this scene. And then there's a little bit of a – you know how I remember when Abbott and Costello always had this problem where the fat one would see something, and then by the time the skinny one got there, it was gone, and the skinny one didn't believe he ever saw it. Yeah. They had a little one of them there with their big horn sheep. And then uh, – uh oh but this is a weird scene where hoss is about to shoot the sheep and he hears no joe's about to shoot him and he hears hoss's voice in his head saying don't waste our ammunition but he decides to do it anyway and then the real hoss appears and says just just exactly what he said in his fantasy it was real strange <laughs> it was like psychedelic yeah. then we get to back at camp a lean-to has been made, and it is very unclear who made it. Because in no time at all. In no time at all, this very nice lean-to has been made to shelter the pregnant Shoshone girl. And uh, Joe says, hey, you should get her to make me one of those. And Hoss says, well, you just let me know when you're pregnant, and I will. And he, so, okay. Hilarious joke. They're having a lot of fun. Boy, oh boy, these two are just, they they couldn't be more nervous about having to give birth up there with this lady. And uh, and and they seem to be like uh, kind of in love with her too because she's beautiful. They're just, they're just bumbling around the two of them. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, you know what? I looked at the description of the next episode and let me read it to you because this pertains. Nope. It's called El Toro Grande. Ben sends Haas and Joe to Monterey to purchase an expensive seed bowl, the first of the Blocker and Landon's many comic misadventures. Now, get this. Although the casual use of violence, as in the rapier fight, is oddly uncharacteristic for the series, Haas reveals his real name to be Eric for the first time. Wow. That's quite an episode coming up. Holy macaroni. So in the next episode is the first time we ever find out that Haas's real name is Eric. And apparently we're going to have some Joe and Haas adventures along the way, just the two of them. I guess they figured it after this episode that these two are like a classic comedy team. Little Unless instead of scavenging old single-use pilots, they took an actual series of two cowboys on the range and just planted it into Bonanza. <laughs> that could be it. Well, now, this here is the scene that I believe uh, Amy Sleverson was talking about. Or when Amy, when you was talking about your husband home birthing kit. It's our home husband birthing kit, $79.99. $79.99. Is, I'll tell you what, that's a hell of a lot cheaper than going to the damn hospital to have your baby, I'll tell you. Yes, right. and safer, because who better than your husband will know how to, knows your body. Yeah, well, this is when uh, Haas starts throwing out directions. He says, you got to dig a pit for hot coals, and we're going to steam some sage in there, and you, we're going to need rabbit pelts to wrap the baby in, and a cottonwood tree with dry rot to make baby powder, and all this. He, and he just knows by heart all of the traditional ways that a Shoshone squaw expects to give birth. Does that make sense, Maribel? Does that all check out? It sounds like a stay at the Four Seasons to me. <laughs> I didn't have a sage pit when I was birthing my children. Did you have cottonwood dry rot pulped to a fine powder for your baby? Uh, not that I know of, but of course I was passed out in the woods alone. 
<laughs> oh, where was well, Frank? All, I didn't realize you were there by yourself. Yeah, well, was that Frank? was my one issue with this episode. It, you know, in my day, men weren't let anywhere near their women. I mean, I didn't see my husband for my entire pregnancy. Oh, Wait, wow. wow. Did, did he leave or did you go somewhere? I was, I was put out. <laughs> Put out to where exactly, if you don't mind me asking. I'm just curious. Well, at first it started, I came home from my doctor's appointment and the the door was locked. So it started with just a a wander around the block. I thought maybe Fred had accidentally locked me out. But then I realized, no, no, this was, you know, part of the tradition. So I just, as I said, I wandered into the woods and I had a snow birth. And he doesn't let you keep a key to the house? No, where would I put it? I don't have. I don't have pockets. I don't have room in my purse. I can't be trusted with a key. The jagged edges on a key would just tear up the lining of your purse. I guess would right. Yeah, I never of course, of that. until yeah. they figure out. Until the scientists invent a round key, I'll be knocking. You're yeah. wonderful, Mary Pell. <laughs> oh, well, Amy, as I said, I see a lot of potential in you. Thank you so much. I think you could be well on your way this time next year to becoming the complete woman. I would like I would like to be made complete by Oh, it's beautiful. I I feel like this is the beginning of something beautiful for both of these ladies. I guarantee it or your husband's money back. I always thought that this show on Bonanza would turn into a, a feminist triumph. Yeah, well, clearly it's always had the makings of that, just by nature of the show we're talking about. Did we miss? Did I miss the part where he has to ask her for all of her information before he's going to help her? Where Haas, that part of the scene where, because it reminded me of a practice that we do at church called Christian giving, where you're generous, but only if you have a background check on the person (laughs) before they they give you help. It's it's charity, but we, we we you need to have an I nine and a gas bill. Oh, <laughs> that's they, just smart thinking. That's just that smart. smart. But and you're that's right. for that's for a sandwich, a peanut butter <laughs> jelly sandwich that I just made. Well, you don't want to do a favor for someone and find out they may not return the favor. You just end up getting hurt. You got to get vouching and credit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They as soon as I find out they don't have they have that you know, identification, I grab that sandwich right back from them. Yeah, and I-9 ain't worth nothing, too, unless you're there with your driver's license and your Social Security card or your passport, so you got to see all that stuff before you're going to hand over that sandwich. Because otherwise it it might not go to someone who's deserving. Yeah, now you're referring to this moment where Hoss is talking about how they're going to take certain steps to prevent a woman and her baby from dying and Joe says, why? She hadn't even told us her name. Yeah, that you got to know. And then he asked her several times, you know, who are you? Tell us who you are. Yeah. Tell us why you're here. And and she doesn't say anything because she doesn't have any lines. That's right. Yeah, well, that's true. Right now, so we haven't mentioned that. She, she is, there's a, a lot of discussion as to whether she understands them or not. She appears to understand them, but she never opens her mouth to say a word this whole time. And and her expression is sometimes coy and sometimes uh, uh, very neutral. There's a moment where they uh, physically move her from lying down to sitting up. And she, she uh, how would you explain it, 
she, I, the only way I would explain it is her expression. The entire episode is, I am not an expectant mother. <laughs> right. Or I, I am, I am, I am a background actor and I will not be getting an upgrade. <laughs> I know what you're saying though. That scene where they sat her up, there was something, I don't know what her inner monologue was, but it felt like, Oh, am I going for a drive? <laughs> It's like, yeah, <laughs> she allows it to happen to her. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you men don't do that where every once in a while when something traumatic is happening, you leave your body and watch from above like you're not inside yourself anymore. No, if anything, I go further in my body. Yeah. Uh, surely Amy's done this. Oh, yes. I got titty twisters from Dave Hawkinson in kindergarten. And every time I think of it, I can't feel my face. <laughs> Your face is what you can't feel. Yes. You know when your cheeks always are burning because you're so embarrassed all the time. And then suddenly all the blood runs from my head when I think of that time. Oh, that's a beautiful memory. Well, folks, the next thing we see is, is I think, one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in my whole life in any damn thing. Is Some, it because the music tells you so? The music. Thank God the music told me, hey, man, get ready to laugh. Have some And fun. boy, did I. I had to watch this again and again just so I could try and hear it because I was laughing so hard. We got Joe and Hoss, a bunch of ducks, land in some water, which has got to be, what would you think, like uh, – 10 degrees <laughs> i mean and, it's and for real for the actors because we was yeah. talking about that earlier cold mountain snowy just about frozen over but there's some ducks have landed in it and they decide they want to save their ammo so they're not going to shoot a duck but man they do want to eat one and hoss has a plan where they camouflage themselves as a log covered in leaves <laughs> and they get in the water up to their necks and hiding behind this log to get real close to those ducks. And man, oh man, if Hoss doesn't have to sneeze just as they're about to be right on top of these ducks. And what does he do? He puts his head underwater, or Joe forces his head underwater, and he sneezes underwater, and all these bubbles come up. Man, oh man, did I laugh. Never seen anything that funny before. And then Joe succeeds in catching a real live duck. This is an actual live duck, which he grabs and pulls underwater and up again. And then, for some reason, puts its neck in his mouth. Yeah, he holds it with his teeth like a like a hunting hound. Yeah, that was an interesting choice. And we talked about this before, that sometimes uh, there's, uh, there's real live animals just being handled by these actors in interesting ways. This was one of those times. Yeah, usually birds, and they're usually being abused. Yeah, I would say I would. I'm I'm surprised that there wasn't somebody on the set saying, "Oh, uh, uh, please don't grab the duck by your teeth." Oh, I'm not. <laughs> I've been grabbed by the teeth. Oh, you've been grabbed by the teeth. Yeah, I just my husband kind of does it. He'll grab me a little bit by my neck. You know, if I get too far ahead of him in the grocery. <laughs> Well, that's actually a real technique to subdue a woman. You just grab them by the nape of their neck, just like a little kitten. Wow. How do you, what, what's too far ahead of them? Is there? Oh, many... it's like I start getting out of control and, you know, oh. he's 
he's deep in he's he's deep in the puddings and i'm already i'm already thinking about cakes i see so you know he, yeah so it's you, not it's not there's not like a number of feet or anything like that it's more like a you know when when you feel it like I, it's a real abandonment of right. ideas okay you know where i am not letting him experience what he needs to experience and i'm already yeah. in the next food i'm already in the next moment you oh, know it's item based so he's gone you've gone from cake from pudding and he wants to stay in pudding and can't he process wants to stay in yeah. pudding and i i mean i don't say this but it's basically my body language is saying fuck you oh yeah <laughs> mm. he can he can pick right up on that at least that's what he says i say uh -huh. with my body language yep time to bite you in the neck Maribel, you, 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 does Franklin ever join you on your trips to the grocery store? Does he even know where it is? Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. My husband doesn't even know what a grocery store is. Really? He thinks everything I serve is grown and made with love right in our home. Excuse so me. So what, what, what is a grocery store? <laughs> See? Now, I'm so surprised you're single, Mutt. You seem like a real catch. Well, I am, but I'm living in a shipping container up on the North Lakeshore Tahoe, and uh, there's not only any women around here, there's no one around here. Yeah, that makes it hard to meet a potential spouse. You got any single friends that would like to come up here, or I could come down for a while? Mm, one comes to mind, Janice. What? Janice, what's she like? She's four foot eight okay. and a redhead. Wow. So she's angry all the time. She's a firecracker. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's a lot like my former girlfriend, Pris. She was a little taller, but she was still upset all the time. So I'd be interested anyway. Oh, yeah. She, she was a handful. I just wanted to ask, is she perhaps 12? She's oh. so small. <laughs> that's a good question. She might be. You oh, might I'll have to, to run the numbers on that. Uh, but you yeah. might want to take a look at an I-9. Okay. Yeah, I don't know about that. Only yeah. Some yeah. some some 12-year-olds aren't as available. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's true. Well, anyways, let's talk about the duck on a spit. They roast the duck on a spit in the next scene, and then they're going to set some rabbit snags Uh and then uh, uh, they do that, and I couldn't figure out. I think that was just a stuffed rabbit, like, yeah, like right? They didn't yeah, because it rabbit. was stiff. Though I did get the feeling it was a stuffed real rabbit. It yes, right. I think that may have been it. What so was the little Joe went and killed a rabbit and stuffed it? Yeah, probably yeah. there on the on the range because they shot some of that for real outside. Yeah. Oh, boy. Isn't that interesting? There's one scene in particular where Hoss and Joe walk toward each other in the out of doors. And by the time they get to each other, they're on clearly on a soundstage. Yeah. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. It's wild. The scenic coordination, because I imagine they must have shot many episodes when they'd go out to Nevada. How they did it all, I don't know. I can't imagine. Well, That's kind of how intimacy works. Like, at the first, you mean it. And then... As you gradually go closer and spend more time with somebody, you get more artificial. Right. Oh, oh that is. You're right. That's a good uh, metaphor for relationships. It's it's I all authentic in the beginning. I treat my husband like he's a Hilton Hilton Honors guest. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, See? isn't that nice? I think you're on the right track. Oh, lovely. But, folks, we need to talk about the Shoshone girl going into labor and the particular way in which she went into labor. Joe has made a arrow. He's made a bow and arrow. I uh, suppose to aid in the hunting up there. I don't know how long they think they're going to be there, but he took the time to make a bow and arrow. And he accidentally fires the arrow, and Hoss thinks they've come under attack by engines, which is something they're concerned about anyway, because here they are hanging out with this missing squaw. Was and, it accidental? I thought that was on purpose. Oh, he, did he do it on purpose? I think he was being, this is the biggest asshole Joe's ever been in oh, this episode. Yeah. 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 So he, he's fooling around. He fires an arrow near to Hoss just to kind of... Just to fuck with him. Just to fuck with him. Well, all right. I guess that did happen. So now they start laughing. Joe is laughing and laughing about this prank that he pulled. I believe Hoss joins in on the laughter, right? Yeah. So now everybody's laughing. And then who begins to laugh? And as Joe says, the Sphinx has a sense of humor. It's our Shoshone squaw. And she is laughing and laughing. And then bang. The agony of labor. That is her reward for ha having a moment of joy there. Yeah. That's it. That makes that baby come. That's is what that... you get for preferring physical comedy. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Why didn't she appreciate any of their witty repartee? Nope. She had to yeah. wait until they was bumbling around with a bow and arrow. Maribel, does that happen when you had your kids? You just laugh to induce labor or, or watch a Three Stooges short? No, I've never laughed. Oh, heavens. Wow. It's wow. just nothing's really ever gotten me. Have you ever tickled yourself? Oh, not exactly. Oh, oh. oh do you know, tell. Interesting. You, but you've come close, it sounds like. I've come We're, close. Okay. All right. Well, so uh, this baby... Gets born. Joe at one point says, I don't know nothing about having babies. Coming real close to a classic line from the Gone with the Wind. I thought but, of that. Yep. But out comes the baby, swaddled as Shoshone tradition dictates in rabbit pelts. And Hoss teaches Joe how to hold a baby. How does Hoss know? I don't know. The Shoshone well, how girl, does he also know how to cut an umbilical cord and wipe the placental sack? But he did that, too. <laughs> he did that, too. Well, wipe, wipe the placental sack. Look, I told you I don't know what a grocery store is. Men how to know how to do everything in terms of obstetrics. Yeah, septics, you. did you say? Obstetrics. Oh, obstetrics. Yeah. Well, and then finally, the Shoshone girl speaks. And she asks if her baby girl is all right. And she speaks as Hoss says, you speak better English than I do. And. And then Hoss delivers the most beautiful compliment for a baby. He says, your baby, she's as pretty as a brand new penny. Isn't that yeah. beautiful? Can you imagine yeah. that? A child yeah. as pretty as a brand new penny? I can't even imagine. She's as pretty as a metallicized, flattened Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. Or whoever it would have been in 1859. Good point. They would have had uh, <laughs> they, a... I don't buffalo, know, maybe it was I a guess. young Abe Lincoln. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's that young one that's reading all the time by candlelight in that cabin. That's who was on them pennies. Anyway, beautiful nonetheless. Yep, but then he says, but she ain't a, a girl. She's a boy. And and the woman seems upset. And he says, well, I thought all Shoshone women made big medicine to their gods, so they had nothing but baby boys. And, and, uh, and then 
Well, that creates a mystery of why she's upset it's a boy. And as a matter of fact, I don't believe we ever have a solution to that mystery. No, but anyway, we sure don't. No. We, uh, we do learn in this scene that the baby has blue eyes. And as Hoss says, ain't no Indian baby ever had blue eyes. So his father must be a white man. And that gets us a major sting of music and a commercial break. That's a big deal. Now we understand this woman was trying to make her way to Virginia City all by herself, away from her tribe, and her the baby's father must be a white man. Holy crap. Whole peck of trouble. Yeah. But so many Indians on this show before have had blue eyes, so I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> Most of them. Right. Mostly they have. Well, then we see a scene where there's no birds, no living things anywhere around, and Haas knows that that means that the storm is due, and they they, they can't go down till tomorrow, or, oh, this is the moment where Joe says, uh, yeah, we don't even know her name, and and, and Haas has a good line. Wow. He, says, he says, this has been worrying you like a hound dog with a bird in his rump. Uh, but Joe, Joe says he's going to interrogate her. He's going to find out what's up, right? And then he does. He does. That's, he has. Yeah. yeah, he's found a war medicine bag, a Shoshone war medicine bag. <laughs> and he he like confronts her with it. He pulls it out from behind her back just to see what her reaction is. Like he's a real investigator out there. And but what he doesn't know is that a Shoshone woman is uh, forbidden to even look at a war medicine bag. So now he's tricked her into looking at it. I don't know. But then Wait. he acknowledges it's a faux pas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are there things that women shouldn't look at in outside of Shoshone culture, Maribel? The sun. <laughs> well, you mean directly at the sun? Yes, directly at the sun is a big no-no. Right. Uh, you should also never, ever stare directly into your husband's genitals. Into oh. them. <laughs> and... And when the orchestra, the indigenous orchestra, is playing trombones and French horn music and piccolos to announce themselves, you also look away. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Oh, I'm learning more on this episode than I ever have. No kidding. I now I know how to go to a grocery store and wipe a placental sack. I think Amy and I should have been consulted for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds that way. Well, now, uh, so, okay, they decide they've got to go. Storm's coming. we got to get down this hill, uh, uh, whatever the risks to mother and child. And they've got uh, the, the squaws on a horse, and at some point she falls off, and uh, they decide to rest for a while. Now we see, uh, finally, Ben Cartwright and Adam Cartwright. They haven't been in the episode at all, but they arrive with a couple of ranch hands, and they're, they are worried and looking for Hoss and Joe. And now, Joe... Uh, now we got them all sitting there eating their hot coleslaw again, and there's dogs yelping and and uh, oh yeah, this is that weird little moment where uh, they go to sleep and they wake up and there's a knife in the war bag, and uh, the Shoshone girl is gone. She's been replaced by a bunch of leaves under her blanket, and Hoss again. Hoss he just has so much. Up until now, Hoss has been dumb as a brick, but now. <laughs> The amount of knowledge in Hoss's brain, he says, ain't no Indian war party would stuff this blanket full of weeds just to fool us. He yeah, knows that would never happen. It's, it's like this episode wasn't written for these characters. I can't figure it out. <laughs> Almost like that. Or he's showing the signs of late onset autism. 
Oh, maybe oh, that's right. It, yeah. It, yeah, he's got adult onset autism that suddenly uh, allows him to have encyclopedic knowledge of certain. Th- th- I think that you're onto something there. Well, now uh, what happens? So, so they realize that the Shoshone girl has run away from them, and they go to try and find her. And who else is looking for her but a whole bunch of Indians? And now we got. Ben and Adam and a whole bunch of engines and Joe and Hoss and and the Shoshone girl all kind of meeting up in a big kind of problem. We got a problem. And uh but the the engines are I guess easily scared off by the sound of gunfire. Right? Isn't that what happens? Yeah. Despite the fact that they're excellent trumpet players. <laughs> Is that right? Did they bring along a trumpet on their... Well, every time they show up, it's a beautiful flourish from from the horn section. Oh, my. I didn't pick up on that this time. Well, uh, okay. So now it, it turns out them engines are gone. That thread is over. And Ben, uh, they, they end up back at the ranch. Ben is real mad that his two sons got involved in all this baby business. Uh he says, coming between a Shoshone woman and her people is just plain stupid. And then we have the second time in this episode that I laughed so hard I had to lie down for an hour. This was uh, Hop Singh comes in. He says, next time you bring baby home, you bring laundry boy. Hop Singh got no time for washing diaper. Oh, man, oh, man that Hop Singh. Yes, <laughs> every time. Every time he opens his mouth. Is that when they tell Hop Singh to go to bed? <laughs> no, that was later. That's later when Ben puts Hop Singh to bed. He sends him to bed. That's what I do to my husband. I say, go to bed. And he takes one of my antipsychotics and he is out. And then I can get some stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes get to the laundry, finally. Send somebody to bed. Well, and then the, the men go up and they see the Shoshone girl. And she's uh, the doctor is there. And... Uh, uh, oh yeah, that's is that when we yeah that's when we first see this baby whose eyes are famously blue and um, I didn't see any blue in those eyes. No, and that's taken into account. Even people who end up with brown eyes often have blue eyes at birth, and they still couldn't find one of them. Yeah, right. Good point. So oops, a daisy, bonanza. But uh, and then we have a scene now where's uh, oh yeah we we understand the mother is unwell. I still don't know what she's unwell with or no, what that's all about. But nobody does. Nope. But then Hop Singh wakes up Ben Cartwright and, and urgent urgently, and Ben Cartwright goes up there. And I do have this clip, I, but I don't know if it's worth showing. But I'm gonna, I guess. I'm glad show to it. Show, show it. it. Show I it. I want to see it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. See that it worked. I made you big. I was uh, glad to see Hopsine wake up Ben Cartwright because I thought he was dead in that chair the way he was sleeping. <laughs> yeah, his leg placement was really uh, specific. Yeah. Now, are you seeing what I want you to be seeing? Yeah. Yes, okay. sir. Here we go. This is this scene where Ben Cartwright he just wants to get some dirt. He's he's he wants to trade and gossip before <laughs> something happens. Well, here we go. He's tending to the feverish new mother. Do you hear me? I've sent for the doctor again. Before he gets here, I want you to tell me who your child's father is. Before the doctor gets here, tell me. He says, he's swabbing her down with a wet cloth. I haven't been swabbed like that since 1954. <laughs> that was a good year. 
He should be here with you. You tell me and I'll send for him. You tell me who the father is and I'll send for him, he says. Well, that sounds good. That sounds like that's all going to work out great. Except, right. what's that look on Ben Cartwright's face? Can it be? He killed another one. <laughs> yep. <Jimmy. laughs> yep. He sure did. He it's, killed another woman with his goddamn water swabbing. He was dabbing her down with acid or well, cyanide. Could be it. We learned that he's he's just constantly can't stop talking. Yeah. Yep. And he's needy. I, maybe I don't know. I don't think of Ben Cartwright as needy, but he he just really wanted to get that dirt. I think on uh, who the father is of course i mean of course you want to know that anytime it's a mystery who's the father and tell me now before doc gets here because he wants to be the only one that knows and so he can kind of walk around for a couple of days like i know who the father is and whatnot and tease everybody i think you know trying to have some fun up there on the ranch <laughs> that's the best as i can figure <laughs> anyway ne next right away we have a scene where fella shows up. Sumner Kyle has shown up with his boy Jason, who uh, who uh, was in that movie about the aliens. And Jason is that he's a handsome, isn't Jason a handsome young actor? He sure is. Now they he says uh, alludes to something where he just tried to bribe Ben Cartwright. Is that something from an episode we saw, or they just didn't clear that from this new script that wasn't for Bonanza? Yeah. I wondered that too, and I looked, and we ain't never met this character before okay, now. Just checking. But yeah, there is some very specific dialogue. Last time I was here, I tried to bribe you, and it didn't work. Well, now you've learned your lesson. Uh, yeah, I think maybe that was well, uh, something, something for, somehow, something that yeah, they forgot to cut from the script. Cause, it was cause, a, they have a script um, writing service. It's called Cut and Paste. Uh -huh. And you just you take other scripts. And then you just take what you like, and, and then you, it, it gets made. Yeah. Okay. Well, that would explain it. But now here's where we learn that Jason Sumner, son of a wealthy man, or well, no, Jason Kyle, son of a wealthy man, ha is the father of uh, this blue-eyed baby that's been born. And he they got married, he insists, but his father says, well, in an Indian ceremony, <laughs> that ain't real. And they love one another. Now, surely in this scene, we are going to learn the name of the Shoshone girl, right? From her loving sure. husband. Yeah. Oh, well, no, he never utters it. That <laughs> character will never get a name. But what is, uh, she, what is she credited as? Shoshone girl. <laughs> well, maybe we should give her a name. How about Diane? Oh, I love it. That's a great one. And it's got, it's got die in it, which is what she's already done. Yeah, and it sounds very Native American. Sure does. Very authentic. That's a great one. Yeah. That's a great one. Now, I'm going to play you a little clip from this scene because <gasps> this young man, he is madly in love with this Shoshone girl, and he is so excited to be reunited with her and and, and this baby and to be together. And uh, Ben, uh, Ben withholds for a long time the fact that she is dead. Uh, I guess because he wants to tell Jason in the most sensitive and careful way that he can, which then finally he does. So let's uh, let's just take a look at, at this scene, which is really a scene about, uh, you know, how sort of difficult it can be to give somebody bad news. Here we go. Cartwright, 
I want you to send the girl and the child back to her people. That's the rich man. I'm ready to pay well for her silence. Carl, you... You needn't worry too much about the girl. I doubt very much whether she would embarrass you. Right. Because... She's never mentioned the name of the child's father. Okay. Do you mean you didn't know? No. I didn't know. Obviously, she was too much in love with your son to want to cause him any trouble. Now, he did say was. he did desert her. Yeah. Did put her in the past tense. Where is she? Well, where is oh. she? He's so excited. He's so excited. Upstairs. Upstairs. Could yep, still be alive as far as he knows. Yep. Uh -huh. This is wow. how I tell the kid. Jason, she's dead. <laughs> there you go. No need to sugarcoat it. Bang. Jason, she's wow. That's I tell my husband, you know, what he, I got him for Christmas, and yep. I go, I didn't get you anything. <laughs> and then he just runs down to the Christmas tree anyways. <laughs> and there's something down there for him, I reckon. No! Oh, no! There's nothing! You didn't get your husband Because we're anything? really struggling right now. Oh, well, yeah, I understand. You said you tripled your inventory of your Revelations pillows? Yeah, because I, I believe in my business. Yeah. And I believe in myself. And, you know, and I'm, it's it's my business. And, and you know, it's all about success and just keep trying. Yeah. What does it mean to triple the inventory? How many How many pillows do you have? I have over a thousand pillows oh at last count. Oh boy. Um, and uh, there's specific biblical quotes that some people aren't comfortable in having in their family living space. Oh. But that's why I thought they might be f fun or more interesting or non copyrighted. In any ways, they aren't, they aren't uh, as they aren't moving. Okay. All right. But folks, folks listening out there, if you want to bail Amy out and uh, lessen her load somewhat, go ahead to Lot's Daughters and buy some of these uh, Revelation pillows. Uh, they got quotes on there. You say they're, uh, uh, people don't want in their living room? Well, um, this seven-headed, um, the Okay, it's a it's a devil horse, okay. and that that's one of the signs that the apocalypse and that it comes to eat the baby. Anyways, I, I'm just I, I'm just saying it, explaining yeah. that I'm not quoting it directly, right. but it's kind of descriptions of of things that sometimes people don't. I guess from what I've been customer feedback is they just they don't like the polyester lining, and yeah. they also don't like the violence of the imagery. I see. Okay, so there's some very sort of explicit descriptions of what will happen at the end times, and, yes. and it's it's just a it's just a lot for a living room sofa. Sound. I think it could match my motif perfectly, actually. Oh yeah, how so? What's your motif over there? Sort of a mixture of ditzy fl ditzy florals and um, burning hell reds. <laughs> That's I definitely it is all those pills are the red of um you know what's gonna happen to most people yeah um i understand it's a really limited number who are getting into heaven who are gonna fly oh really that's your understanding yeah. very limited yeah Will? yes right. very limited number yeah Anyways. well 
but more than the number of pillows that I have. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, I, I, this is, has been selling well. The home husband birth kit um, has been really flying off the shelf. So, um, you know, if you're looking for labor tugging sticks, um, these are sticks that you hold when your wife gives birth and you squeeze them really hard um, so that you don't punch her and tell her to stop (laughs) screaming. That's one of the things Hoss understood. You got to drive some uh, wooden stakes into the ground. And uh, I'd be ready for that. You know, I'll keep a stake of wood down my pant legs at all times in case I was to run into a vampire, which I'm not supposed to talk about on this podcast. And I didn't. But, uh, yeah, so I'd be ready for that one part of birth in an Indian girl in the woods. I'd be ready for her. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so now she she has she is dead. And, Amy, you must have enjoyed this. We get uh, her, it's her funeral, and Ben Cartwright reads a very long passage from the Bible. He goes, just yes. reads the Bible. Finally, finally, there's something I I kind of knew the words to, and I could, you know, pray along with the show. Yeah, this is the first time we've had an actual reading from the Bible on the show, believe it or not. When I've memorized this, all the lines from the show before I've done them and kind of shadow play at home with, oh. you know, lamps at, at night, you know, oh. for my husband, it's been so hard to remember all the lines. So this is, was a real break for me to, to uh, <laughs> just do the prayer. It's like, oh, I know that one. Boy. You guys have a lot of fun over there. I tell you, that sounds great. I'd love to see one of those shows. Well, also, at this funeral, uh, all those uh, Shoshone uh, Braves ride up, and uh, that's usually a cause for some alarm, but uh, they, it's, it's not going to make Ben Cartwright stop reading his Bible. He gets to the end of that passage, sure enough. And this is when we learn a very interesting ending for this episode, where uh, it is understood that the chief over there is damn well going to want this baby, which is his grandson. Uh, So Jason, Kyle, is not going to end up with this baby. Forget it. Between the two, the chief has taken his grandson. Too bad. And that's when Jason, he's got a solution to the problem. He, He just leaves the white world and heads off with the engines. He's going to stay with his little son there and live with the Shoshone. And this is not something he describe he uh, sort of discusses with the Shoshone Indians at all. They have no idea this is coming. He just kind of walks over there and he says to Ben Carter, he says, tell my father I've gone home. Oh, yeah. That, hence that the was... title, The Last Hunt, which makes total sense. <laughs> that was quite a twist. I think I screamed at the top of my lungs. You, yeah. you weren't seeing that coming that that. that Jason Kyle was going to just go native. Not by a mile. Yeah. Well, I, it also seemed like this tribe was a little surprised. It like, did seem that oh, way. Oh, you need a ride or somewhere? Or? <laughs> and there was we no just, dialogue exchange. We just happened to be going the same direction, and then we're going to have an awkward split at a second where we got to take the baby and say goodbye. Nope. Coming the whole way home. How's this going to work? Yeah. Well, but this is. Yes. This is another beautiful example of the No Line School of Acting, where, you know, we do scene studies of entire groups of people who say nothing about that, what's going on in a scene. And it's a beautiful example of that. Yeah, he didn't. 
not nobody, none of them Shoshone said a single word about this uh, fancy rich boy, uh, blonde haired fella joining up with their tribe from now on. They just kind of said, well, all right, here we go. He's also getting into a carriage, right? Which uh, feels like might be tough to take over some of them mountain switchback trails. For sure. Like Cinderella going to the ball. (laughs) That is it. Well, that ends this episode. And now that brings our our, uh, female love interest body count to nine in 15 episodes. We have now lost nine women. That includes uh, Ben Cartwright's three wives and uh, Julia Boulette and Hattie Johnson and Sue Ellen Terry. And uh, I forget the name of Hoss's love. But now that we had Shoshone Girl to that list. Diane. Diane. Diane the Shoshone Girl. Well, there you go. And now I'm sad to say we only have 416 episodes left of this show to discuss. Oh, it's creeping up on us. Oh, no. It's terrible. Oh, no. I know. Yeah, and I, I was thinking, uh, I don't know. Well, next week is the El Toro episode, you're saying? Yeah. El, yeah, to- right. El Toro Grande. El Toro Grande. Oh, well, is there going to be a car? No, it's a bull. And we go down to Mexico. Oh, Oh, Mexico. Yeah. Oh, you're kidding. All right. Oh, Mexico. Well, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Well, folks, any, any last uh, things you want to plug or, or final observations about this episode? Anything anybody wants to get in before we wrap it up? Well, I will say that in two episodes from now, Jack Lord is the guest star. So we're in for a real hot streak coming up. Man, oh, man. That is hot. Hot, hot. I just want to wish everybody happy holidays. And if you haven't done your Christian shopping, or if if you just had your couple dollars you can could spare, um, you know, please consider Lot's daughters for all your gift giving needs. Um, We have candles and earrings, and and of course the the husbandry uh, birthing kit. And Revelations pills and everything. And tragedy charms. Need. Got some tragedy yeah, charms. Tragedy charms for any anything that's gone wrong in your life that you know that everyone could remember. Um, you know, whether it's a drunk driving accident or if it's um, something that you didn't mean to do that caused someone else's uh, demise or death. Like, oh, no, we yeah. left the pool gate open. Oh, boy. So you've got a tragedy charm that depicts an open pool gate? Yes. Do you have a tragedy charm of uh, kindergarten titty twisters? I, I, mean, I, know yet. I thought it was so specific it might not be a big seller. Uh, oh, I see. I see. Well, you, you'd know better than me. That's Those are tough judgment calls. Uh, I've got uh, my shipping container decorated for Christmas if anybody wants to come by and see it. It's really just string lights spelling out help on the roof because I am stranded and have not seen a human in I don't know how long. I'm using my Razor phone as a hotspot to do this internet recording right now, but I could use some help. That's that's. I don't like to use this podcast as a plea for help, but I literally do need some help. I'm All right, well, out if you're food. up in the Lake Tahoe area, round about where they shot this episode in the Ponderosa, and you feel like helping Mutt Taylor, uh, go, go on and do that. How's that? Yeah, because I appreciate that. And yep. this episode hit home, especially because I am subsiding completely on mesquite beans and wild root. So it, it does smell, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good Indian food there. Yeah. Uh, Maribel, what you got going on? 
Uh, I would encourage everyone, including Amy, to check out my latest audio series called The Complete Christmas, which is all about a 1960s housewife, moi, who loses her mind and decides she wants to cancel Christmas, but is then visited by her three um, magical appliances of Christmas past, present, and future, and learns the true meaning of Christmas. So, Where, Where can people find that? That is available anywhere you get your audio series. Spotify, oh, Apple. Wow. You just Stitcher. punch it in there. The complete Christmas it's called. That's correct. Thank and that's you. That's what so like a, is that like an eight episode uh, uh audio journey through Christmas? It's a it's a six episode audio six journey, episode. exactly. Okay, all right. Very I love good. you. I love you, Mary Bell. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amy. And I will be expecting those corn husk dolls. <laughs> yeah. Watch for those in, in the mail or by personal delivery by Amy Slaverson if her husband allows for that much of a journey. Amy went quiet. I don't feel like you got confirmation that you're going to get those dolls, but I think that might be on purpose. I, I don't know. She did go silent. All right, And folks. we can't see her either. No, that's true. <laughs> All right, folks. Well. I'd say we've just about done her once again. That's an episode of Bonanas for Bonanza. And uh, next time we'll talk about another one. Yep. All right. So long, folks. Bye. <laughs> Bananas for Bonanza is brought to you by Andy Daly with Maria Bamford and Matt Gordon. Theme song by Matt Gordon with The Journeyman. Which in this case are Mark McConville, Daniel Nuchikoff, and Wade Ryan. Special thanks to our gang on the ground, Josh Richmond and Shannon Locke. Bananas for Bonanza is produced by Ryan Connor and Matt Gorley. And exa- Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bennett. We'll see you next time.